Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. What's up, everybody? It's another Sunday night, and I am happy to be here doing another great episode of Gecko Nation Radio. Today is July 20th, 2014, and uh, we're going to make history again tonight with an awesome episode about someone that is doing something just amazing for reptiles and other animals in our community. Uh, this This is someone that devotes basically their entire life to the rescue of animals that are no longer wanted by other people. And this happens a lot in all over the world. And uh, Christina Obrecht of Christina's uh, Pet and Wildlife Sanctuary is just, she, she runs this from her home, okay? Her house is basically, basically converted into a zoo. In fact, when you go into her front porch, she's got a huge gator pond built into her front porch. Um, she's got gator ponds in her basement. She's got all kinds of stuff going on outside. And um, when you walk into the rest of the house, there's fish tanks, cages, uh, just wall-to-wall. She, she basically makes use of every single square inch of space to maximize the amount of animals that she can care for and save and rescue. So we're going to talk to her tonight about all that, what it takes to do something like this on her, on the scale that she's doing it. And basically, you know, get a feel for why she does it and why she, uh, you know, is so passionate about it. And uh, for tonight's episode, um, I have a special co-host coming on, Mr. Tim Walton from Slice of the Jungle. Tim, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. What's going on, Dave? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, joining me tonight, Tim. What's going on with you? I am actually, uh, I stepped away from the family to... uh, to call in tonight, and I'm actually getting ready to uh, pull some eggs from a pair of bandits out of the nest oh, box nice. to put them in the incubator. Awesome. Cool. Nice uh, uh, Ron Tremper line bandits? Straight from Ron Tremper. Only the best. That is awesome. Well, speaking of Ron Tremper, folks, we have a very special uh, guest appearance tonight, the Godfather himself is coming on right now to tell us some exciting news. The godfather of geckos, Ron Tremper, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, hey, Dave, Tim, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on here. we got some, well, it's a genetic week, it seems like, here at the Tremper Ranch. Uh, got some cool That's things awesome. going on. And, and um, you know, we, we do more than geckos here. We've been breeding snakes for some years. And uh, got a nice announcement about uh, new recessive in ball pythons. It's called the Hollywood morph. It's named after a flamboyant uh, friend of mine from Japan that uh, I gave him the moniker of um, Mr. Hollywood some years ago. And uh, Yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy, and he's, you know, I've made five trips to Japan and, and had a lot of good times there and done a lot for people, and they're very giving people. And in 2010, he gave me a adult male wild-caught ball python that looked really different. And he said, here, this is, he calls me daddy. 
and he says, here, Daddy, <laughs> this is a gift for you. So it really looked strange, and my snake curator, Brad Chambers, uh, said, yeah, you know, this is worth working on. You know, and unlike leopard geckos, ball python projects, you know, just a, a single gene uh, breeding back and all can take four or five years. And so we started mm-hmm. in 2010 and uh, bred to a lot of big normal females I had in 2011 and hatched young, and we ended up with six females that were carrying the uh, gene. And so it was just a test project. But uh, lo and behold, those three uh, those six females, that is, have grown up and uh, are uh, have produced this year, and three of their clutches hatched. And, um, you know, when we got the uh, the gene carriers, they all looked normal. So we could kind of rule out it being a codom, which is very common in ball pythons. So we, uh, mm-hmm. we hatched out uh, the first Hollywood morphs this year, and uh, we've had uh, about 11 hatch, and they're really stunning. We... We've uh, been very exciting about it, and we're going to offer them to the public. We've got 11 or 12 Hollywoods and about five hats out, so we've had some good ratio there on a 50-50 basis. So it's pretty darn exciting. There's only 12 um, recessives known in ball pythons and uh, a, a boatload of codons. So everybody likes to have a new building block, and... Um, you know, it's exciting, and uh, so I just kind of applied some of my gecko wisdom to things without legs, and lo and behold, uh, we hit something really significant. So we're going to debut the pictures and all next, uh, on Saturday, August 2nd, uh, about 10 o'clock on the information webpage, and then at 1 o'clock, the uh, page with the first uh, Hollywoods presented to the world will be uh, opened up, go live, and there'll be sales, of course. But uh, so that's kind of the big snake news. And um, congratulations! Really, well, thanks, thanks. It's really kind of amazing. And uh, you know, we've got uh, a nice surprise coming for the gecko world um, next Sunday on your show. And looking forward to talking some in depth and opening up a web page on the 28th of uh, July about. Uh, this new uh, leopard gecko genetic, I think, that's really going to rock the world and and make uh, make all the morphs even look better. So it's great stuff. Yeah, um, a lot of people have been asking about my leopard gecko app, and the revision has really been taking a long time uh, because there's been so many great photos sent in and so much done in the last two and a half years since the app debuted. So leopard gecko pro, I worked some hours on it today after we were setting up babies and cleaning turtles and pulling baby beardeds and so forth. You know, it's been it's that busy time of year. So anyway, uh, Leopard Gecko uh, Pro, we hope to get it done the next 30 days or so and updating. In fact, it's going to have to kind of take the place of, of my uh, big book because, you know, I, I kind of let everybody know we were going to reprint it, and then I did the math and... Uh, Checked with the publisher and costs, and in order to really make it feasible, I got to print 2,000 copies, and I only I sell one a day on the book, which is really good. But if you extrapolate that, it means uh, about five and a half years to sell 2,000 copies, and uh, by then the book would be obsolete with the the way everyone's breeding geckos and the new things coming out, and all the combos. So I'm gonna 
I'm down to about 27 books if people are interested. And then uh, the new Leopard Gecko Pro will be all the morphs, all the genetic information, care information. And if you, you know, get your hands on Leopard Gecko Care and the Leopard Gecko Pro, you probably have 80% of the book, and it will be uh, working on iPad and, you know, bigger format uh, type uh, viewing than just an iPhone. So anyway, that's kind of news from the ranch, my friend. I'll let you get on with the show, and uh, um, I know you're doing good work there, and keep it up. It's just awesome. I've seen your show just grow and, and get more and more sophisticated, and I think it's great. You bring so much diversity and interest to the hobby in a good, friendly way. So lots of Thank you, Ron. Gecko Nation Radio, man. Okay, you guys have a good show. I'm I'm signing off. All right. Thanks a lot, Mr. T. All right. Thanks, Ron. We'll we'll talk to you then. You bet. Okay. All right. Bye, Tim. Bye, Dave. Thanks, Mr. T. Bye. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We got some exciting news from Tremper. And uh, next week, next Sunday, is another episode with him. Uh, So make sure you don't miss it. We'll go into depth about what he's working on. And uh, we'll, of course, take your phone calls. well, Tim, uh, before we get started uh, going further into the interview uh, and stuff for tonight, I want to uh, mention a couple of things. Uh, one of our sponsors, Keith Higgins from GiantLeopardGecko.com, is giving a very special discount uh, for Gecko Nation radio listeners only. And uh, I don't think we're even going to post this online, so it's basically going to be uh, just those of you that hear it on the shows. Okay, so... Tonight through September 30th, you are going to get 25% off any purchase at GiantLeopardGecko.com. And the code for that is GNR2014. Okay, again, it's GNR2014. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com. He's one of our new sponsors. has amazing geckos. Um, And while we're talking about sponsors, check out these amazing people. And keep in mind, folks, you're going to hear half of our sponsors now and half at the mid-show break. All of our sponsor plugs are sincere, and these are the best breeders and best businesses, and we're happy to have them on board with us. So check this out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art you can now download his leopard gecko care app his morph encyclopedia app called leopard gecko pro and visit his site leopardgecko.com to see where morphs are made giantleopardgecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com 
and become a member today. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. And, folks, I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, uh, which is Daryl Burton from Longhorn Geckos. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration with A-plus genetics. Uh, Daryl's invested in the best possible lines of geckos, including super tangelos, pastel raptors, white and yellow bells, and pure lion wild types. Uh, you can find them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos, facebook.com uh, slash Longhorn Geckos, and their website's going to be up and running really soon. And uh, Daryl's active in the Gecko Nation group. He's a, an admin of ours and just a great new breeder coming on the scene. So check him out. All right. Uh, Tim, uh, what do you say we jump into the news? Sounds good, Dave. All right. Good evening, Gekonians. <laughs> What's up, Steve? What's going on? Where you, you doing, been? Steve? I've been trying to text you. I'm trying to text you yeah, all day. I just looked at my phone. I've, I've been so busy lately. <laughs> no okay. time for busy nothing. Busy is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't you. know about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been crazy. I haven't been able to get back on schedule since we moved, so... <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, what you got, Dave? So, so you had, so you're trying to get a hold of both of us today, and you couldn't get either of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's in, it's in, it was down to the wire before you uh, you called in. I thought you you were gonna miss it, but uh, uh, that's cool. All right, what's going on in the news, Steve? All right. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have seen this. Ames man denied commercial snake permit. A 26-year-old Ames resident resident's application for a permit to run a small-scale commercial reptile business out of his residential townhouse was denied Wednesday by the city's zoning board. Um, Apparently, he has 44 boas and pythons. And they just they denied them for zoning laws, and this is uh, Kathy Brown, an Ames animal control officer, said that Thompson was in compliance with the city code as far as owning the snakes, but could not sell any. Hmm. They had they had um, six people spoken in the meeting, expressing concerns about the possibility the snakes escaping and endangering children at the elementary school located less than a half a mile away from his house. 
and the negative impact of business could have on property values. This is, I don't know, I can't even believe it. Yeah. And after the meeting, let's see, Assistant City Attorney Jessica Spoden discussed the possibility of allowing Mr. Thompson to sell some of his snakes he already owns and has interested buyers for, figuring that would be benefit both him and the neighbors who would prefer the snakes to be gone. So uh, to me, that's kind of messed up. They're going to allow him to sell what he has, but not to produce and sell. Yeah. Really, what's the difference? Well, they just they, they just want that, him to get get rid of them. <laughs> well, that, and I think they think that if he starts running a business, it's just going to be like a snake breeding, uh, you know, factory. That's what they're thinking. And then sooner or later, their town's going to be overrun with snakes. I mean, that's probably what they're thinking in their head. Right? Yeah. I mean, I what do you think, Tim? I think uh, those people need to get some brains in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those it's things. Total that it's total ignorance. It's total ignorance, and it's a, it's a shame that it that it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's unfortunate. Well, maybe he'll uh, be able to move and find somewhere where he can do that. All right. So heading into the next story, and this is pretty cool, and I know you saw this, Dave. Lizard mm-hmm. sees with its skin for automatic camouflage. This yep. is really cool. So what it was was uh, Domenico Fuljone placed Moorish, Moorish geckos on dark surf- surfaces, and he saw, saw them change to mimic their surrounding. So he blindfolded them. I don't know how he did this, but he blindfolded the geckos, and they still could mimic the coloring around them. So wow. the next process, he he blocked the body so the body couldn't couldn't detect the surrounding, and the gecko could not match its surroundings. So what they what they found was that in the skin, it has opsins, which are light sensitive proteins that are the basis of animal vision. When light enters your eyes, opsins in your retinas respond by triggering chemical reactions that send signals to your brains. The Morris gecko has plenty of opsins in its eyes, but the team also found these proteins all over the skin of its torso. So apparently it has these proteins, and that's it's using them to to uh, mimic its surrounding. That's incredible. That's, that's pretty and cool. You know what I take away from this story? The fact that you know all these clandestine um, you know groups or whatever that do genetic research out there, like somewhere somebody's got to be trying to you know do this in more sophisticated animals, even people, I bet, in, in you know, these black ops projects or whatever. And uh, can you imagine if, if someday they can <laughs> genetically make people to blend in with their surroundings like that? I mean, I think that's, yeah. I don't know, if there's, if there's animals that can do that, then if we can master genetics, there's no reason to think that someday that there could be people that could do that. 
and uh, I don't know. I think that I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking on a smaller scale, like um, just changing your hair color possibility or your eyes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Genetic, yeah. Genetically. Yeah. I, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Well. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have uh, have seen those uh, glowfish. They're zebrafish that are genetically modified and they glow. They they put a a jellyfish. Yeah. They they splice in jellyfish DNA in their DNA or, or however they do it. Yep. And um, is that how they make those I, colors? I, I think yes. I think they've actually been out for about ten years now, um, in in pet stores. And I that that's the first genetically modified pet that was made available in the United States. So it's it's only you know the first of many. I'm sure. Amazing. Jeez. That's cool. Wow. All nice, right. Nice. Yeah. Our last horrible story, and I know Uh-oh. almost everybody's probably seen this, Facebook video of tortoise set on fire prompts investigation by Florida wildlife officials. Um. Just to sum it up in the video, two women allegedly set a a tortoise on fire before picking it up, throwing it against the ground twice, and stomping it to death. Yes, I saw it. We this shared is, it on the Geckonation yeah. radio page. Um, they're deciding whether to try those girls as adults, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I think what was most disturbing about this was the fact that uh, the fact of the things they were saying while they were doing yeah. it, and yep. just like really evil, evil things. And um, yeah, this poor tortoise died. But you know, if we can try to find the positive thing in the story, and it, I believe the positive thing is this animal died to alert people and alert the authorities to the possibility of future serial killers and. You know, these these young girls are very just terrible people, and to catch this kind of behavior early is actually a godsend in my my eyes. So the turtles, yeah, the, the tortoise gave its life to who knows, maybe someday uh, save a person's life. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a, a possibility. Um, that's that's one of the reasons why uh, there are such harsh penalties for animal cruelty is because traditionally people that start with animals end up moving on to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Is that the, was that the last story, Steve? Yeah. All right. What do you say we go back in time? <laughs> All right. On December 4th, 2001, the title reads, Smallest Reptile Discovered in the Caribbean. The world's smallest reptile, and hopefully I say this right, <laughs> the Jaragua Sparrow, measuring 1.6 centimeters, that's three quarters of an inch in length, has been discovered in the Caribbean by two U.S. biologists. December 4th, 2001. 
Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, so what's going on in your uh, collection today, Steve? Uh, let's see. I hatched out a couple of bells and a couple of rainwaters today, actually. And they all look nice. awesome, so I can't I can't really say <laughs> other than they look awesome. <laughs> right. Any more cool red stripe ones? Uh yeah, I actually have one that and I and I'm still growing up the females from last year, so I haven't bred them yet. I'm trying to just get them up, you know, full size before I breed them and but yeah, I have one that is just really dark. Starting nice. to get really dark, yeah. I'm keeping it. Cool. I gotta. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping it's so a male this time. Yeah, I hope this one's a yeah. male because I've got three females that I held back last year. So I hope this one's a male. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I hope we wish you luck on that. I hope you can make a whole bunch of those. Yeah. All right. Steve, well, with, the, with the new house, do you have a, a reptile room set up? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I hope it's big for all the uh, holdbacks that you like to keep. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's never big enough. You know, there's never enough room. <laughs> right, right, right now I'm good, but I think in a year I'll I'll need another room already. So. Well, that's when you you push one of your kids to to move out on their own already. You know. Hey, they're getting close. My oldest is 19, and he's talking about it all the time. So, <laughs> and then there I've got go. another another one, 16. So, <laughs> I think you got to make them want to move out, you know, and uh, uh, just like aggravate I, them. And, I, don't know. <laughs> I do that anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. All right, Steve, thank you very much for the news tonight, and uh, we'll see you next week on Tremper Show. Yeah, I'll see you there. All right, have a good have night. Have a good night, Steve. All right, before we bring on our our uh, guest for tonight, uh, Tim, just going to ask you a quick question. What is the best forum for gecko enthusiasts? Gecko forums, of course. You got it. Check this out, folks. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. All right, folks. Uh, and now the moment everybody's been waiting for. We are going to bring in our guest for tonight, Christina Ulbricht. 
You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey there. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Christina. How are you? What's going on? I'm all right. You know, you're pretty awesome. You know that, right? Awesome? Isn't that an understatement? <laughs> pretty much. For everything that you're doing. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it, you're you're incredible. Um, I, I actually really admire um, what you've done and I, I mean, I was there a few years ago to see uh, your house and how you have everything arranged. I think it's just it's just amazing what you're doing there. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got the motivation to do that? And like, what's your what's your history with uh, animals? How did you how did you find them appealing and get to the point where you wanted to to rescue them? Well, believe it or not, it's a weird story, but believe it or not, my favorite animal growing up was always a horse. But as soon as I hit ninth grade, my biology teacher, Mr. Kellerman, he had an iguana named Schleppy. And I kind of grew a fond love for the iguana and for the reptiles. Then I was hit with cancer, and while I was sick, I figured, you know, what better opportunity than while I'm sick to read up on reptiles? So then, you know, I got a lot of knowledge through talking to a lot of different people, books and the internet, and then we went to the pet store one day, my mom and I, and we saw this cutest iguana, so we took home one iguana, and then I've had him for quite a while, and slowly I started getting phone calls from people, can you start taking my iguana or my bearded dragon, he's not doing well, red tail boas, it just grew from there, so now my love for exotics has <laughs> escalated. <laughs> so I had something to finally take care of while I was sick. So it gave me something to do. Wow, it's incredible. I mean, I, I mean, how many animals do you think you you have right now? Oh, currently at least 150 to 160 animals. That includes all the fish, arachnids like tarantulas. We have parrots. We have, of course, alligators, snakes of all mm-hmm. sizes, lizards of all sizes. Turtles and tortoises, and just about anything you can think of, turkeys and ducks included. <laughs> and, and you have a huge statue of a Komodo dragon on the in the front, right? Yeah, everybody sees that picture on our website, and they ask, "Is that real?" I'm like, "No, I wish." <laughs> oh man, that's incredible. Yeah, he's where about you... ten foot long. That statue. Jeez, where where do you find the energy to care for all these animals? I just do it. I know if it weren't for myself and other, like my, my other volunteers helping me out, I'd, these animals, where would they go? Zoos won't even take in half the animals. So it's really rough. We're like the only ones around here that deal with exotics. I know. That's the thing, right? Um, you're in Pennsylvania just like I am, and um, mm-hmm. there, there really isn't any other uh, reptile rescues in, in this general area, is there? No. No, not that I know of. <laughs> The next hmm. next reputable place I can think of off the top of my head is in Lancaster, PA, which is about two, two and a half hours from us. They're called Forgotten Friends Reptile Rescue. So I know they're mm-hmm. out there, but I don't know of really anybody else. Yeah. Let's talk and a they little also, bit about they the adopt alligators. Out, out there. The well, alligators. Uh, what would you like to know about them? <laughs> All right. Well, I think alligators, you know, we talked a little bit in the past about this in – um, and this is how I feel about it. I, when I see the sale of alligators at reptile shows up here, um, it, 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 I don't know if it upsets me, but it, it, 
gives me great concern because right. the people that the people that usually buy these alligators for seventy five dollars are totally not prepared for what they're going to turn into, and exactly. you see it. Right, you see it all the time, and you know you've tell us about how you've acquired your alligators and and how you feel about that. Well, our first alligator we ever received, which we still have her, her name is Camaro. She's about mm-hmm. four four foot right now. We got her from a college kid who no longer wanted her. The problem is with, like, the reptile shows, you know, it's great to go and see all the animals, but most of the animals there being sold like the alligators and iguanas and such, generally the people buying them really don't have enough research under their belt to truly take care of them. We end up with... So far, in the past two years alone, we rescued over 65 crocodilians, mainly alligators, but caiman are also included. And I saw this one time at a reptile show, a seven-year-old boy walk out with two baby alligators. And I'm thinking to myself, what does he know how to take care of these baby alligators? It's depressing, yeah. honestly. I know. It really is. And I mean, I don't have I, a problem I, with people keeping them as pets as long as they're legal, as long as they know what they're doing, long-time commitment, they have, you know, liability insurance in case something happens, and they have the space. Mm-hmm. Male alligators get at least 11 to 14 feet, about 1,000 pounds. So, I mean, they get big. Your average person yep. isn't going to be able to properly house one. No, they're not, and they don't think about it. it they don't think, like, what it's going to turn into. And um, right. if they don't, if these, if these alligators don't wind up getting too big, or if they do and the people don't want them and they don't know about you, what happens to them? Well, we've gotten some threatening phone calls already from uh, people in general when they have to finally give up their crocodilian, usually an alligator. They end up threatening and they say they're going to shoot them. And it's not fair. It's not fair to the animal because the person bought it because they thought it was cute when it was 10 inches. And then it's going to be killed. Yep. It's not fair at all. I mean, what, what no, else can you shame. do, though? Like. I mean, I'm sure you can't care for every single one of them. What else, what can you do if you, you know, reach <laughs> I your... I will find your... a way. I always find a way. <laughs> uh, the biggest problem, though, also around here, because we get alligators in not only from Pennsylvania. We've gotten one in as far as Florida already, too. People don't trust, wow. I guess, there's alligator farms down there. So they don't want their alligator ending up as boots <laughs> or a purse. Mm-hmm. So we have mm-hmm. taken one in from down there. But there's just so many problems with alligators up and around here. We get them from Delaware, Maryland, Ohio. New Jersey's another big one. Virginia. Yeah. We just got three calls last week to take in three more. We're actually getting in a five-footer this coming week. So the problem is zoos will not generally take them. So it leads to us because most other places are not equipped for them. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us um, how you go about actually getting something like that, a, a five-foot alligator, how it goes from you know, getting the phone call on it to you actually receiving the animal? Well, it depends on the person's situation. Like the five-footer that's coming this coming week, the guy is maybe like an hour from us. I'm not going to say where, but he will be bringing it to us. I don't know which day yet. He's calling me tomorrow. So he will be physically bringing it to us, and we will have it in a temporary holding pen until we can get it transported to one of our affiliates in North Carolina where he's now going to stay there then. Okay. Yeah, we have two yeah, main affiliates for crocodilians where they're going to stay. One is in Massachusetts by a guy named Leo Spinner, 
And then down south in North Carolina, there's a sanctuary called CCBS Reptile Rescue. Ah, okay. I see. Now, Christina, yeah, yeah, we you make said sure where they go. To... If we can't keep them, they'll, they'll stay alive. They're not going to be harmed in any way, so we're strictly no kill. Right. And in Pennsylvania, you know, unfortunately, we experience, you know, pretty cold winters here. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure ideally you'd like to be able to keep them outside. Um, have you... Used to, I mean, I remember seeing the ponds in your basement and on your front porch. Have you had to make mm-hmm. more gator ponds in your house? Oh, yeah. We just actually finished one for maybe an 18-incher, I'd say about a month ago. It was a pain in the butt to build, but we got it finished. So he has his own custom pond now for that one. But we're constantly building. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's like, I don't know how you keep up with it, tell you the truth. No, it keeps me busy, <laughs> but that's a good thing. <laughs> right, right. And, um, all right, I remember you saying that you wanted to also have your your um, your helpers and your assistants and your husband come on. Did you want to bring them on the air? Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll start with uh, one of our volunteers, Jen, if uh, she'd like to talk a bit. She's been with us for about seven years or so. Okay. I'll have her call in, and I'll, I'll put her live on the air. Um, okay. She's I, currently uh, doing that. <laughs> okay, cool. So how many people do you have that, that uh, regularly help you, Chris? Uh, it differs. I mean, we go through volunteers. I just started maybe about eight months ago really having a lot more volunteers because it's a lot of work. So I mainly have two real good volunteers that come around all the time that really help me out now. Nice. Tim, is that you making I'm, noise I'm in sh- the background? I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us about um some of the, I'm sure, you know, it's a huge burden on you um, with your time, but I'm sure it's a financial burden as well. Um, tell us how you go about, um, you know, securing funds to house and feed all these animals. Well, being a nonprofit, that's what's scary because we run only off of donations. So, like, some winters where we can't do a lot of outside fundraising – it's a little sketchy sometimes because the animals can't go out during the winter. We don't trust taking them out in the cold weather. So we kind of have to think of other fundraisers to do, like we'll hold concerts, we'll do hot dog fundraisers, coin pitches, pretty much anything it takes to try to raise money to keep us afloat to make sure that the animals get the very best of what they need. That's important. And, you know, I've often thought about, you know, using Gecko Nation Radio as a way to also help um, you know, give back to, to reptile rescues. And I, you know, there are mm-hmm. a lot of reptile rescues out there that are kind of shady. And Yeah, um, that's the problem yeah, what's too. Up, what's up with that? <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that have good intentions, but they don't think it through. Like, we are a legit, federally recognized 501c3 tax-exempt nonprofit reptile and animal sanctuary. It takes a lot of money and effort to do that. So we are legal. But there's a lot of people that, like, for example, they go into a pet store, and unfortunately some pet stores don't take real good care of their animals. They see a sick lizard, and they buy it, bring it home, and say they rescued the animal. Honestly, it's not rescuing it by doing that. All that that's doing is basically prompting the pet store to keep doing the same thing. Yes. So there's a lot of people out there that, like I said, have good intentions, but they say they're reptile rescue when they're really not. You know, that's a that's a very controversial topic, and I actually brought it up in my group, Gecko Nation, 
um, some time ago, Christina. And the, what we see a lot of in the gecko world is we see a lot of people buying geckos from Petco and PetSmart, um, and they say they're rescuing them um, right. from these stores. And, you know, I can see there's, a, there's two sides to the story. Now, of course, the main thing that happens is you, by buying those animals or rescuing those animals, you are totally proliferating the, the continuation of this process of these stores. Exactly. Yep. Spelling disposable animals. Right. Now, now the mm-hmm. other flip side to it is a lot of people will have a kind of a good argument where they say, well, you know what, each one is a life that deserves saving. And, right. and you know, how, can you, how can you argue with that? I mean, I don't know. The best thing means, to do... The best thing to do when you see an animal in bad shape like that at pet stores, because a lot of pet stores don't put 100% energy into husbandry for their reptiles because they're only supposed to be temporary stay. But the problem is if you really want to make a difference with the pet store issue, go to the manager or speak to the person in charge of the reptiles or exotics. If they don't want to do anything, then go to corporate. Yes. I mean, it that's does good, suck. That's a good I mean, point. You want to help every animal, but at the same time, by buying the reptile that's dying at their store, you're just prompting them to keep doing the same thing. I know. And their hearts are in the right place. I, I know exactly how these people feel. Right. I, mean, I get it. And, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and, it, and, it, and and for people out there that you feel that strongly about helping an animal, that's a good thing. That's a good feeling to have in you. That's, there's a lot of people right. that are free cold. They don't care. Right. Um, yeah. So to have those those feelings is good. But, yeah, I mean, the big picture isn't, isn't you know, it doesn't help the, the, the situation really. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. And it keeps veterinarians in business, though, right, Christina? Yeah, and that's another unfortunate thing. There's not a lot of good exotic reptile vets around here. Most know some general information, but you really have to sometimes travel quite far to find a good, reputable herb vet. That's yep. another thing that, that's kind of shady sometimes. I've sat in on a few vet tech classes, and it's kind of disturbing to a sense in some of the old, outdated info that they teach. So if you can find a good, reputable herp vet, that's obviously even better. Yeah. Is there any that you can recommend in the Pennsylvania area? Well, right now we go to Allentown Animal Clinic. Now, there's a lot that even they're not quite sure on reptile-wise, but I've been fortunate enough to learn a lot of things from a good longtime herpetologist, Leo Spinner, who has taught me a lot of home remedies for a lot of things throughout the years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the minor issues, I can kind of go about and quote-unquote fix myself. So I don't want to sound like everybody should go doing that. Right. You just really have to make sure right. you know what you're doing. Of course. Okay, now, Christine, I brought on your assistant. Uh, who is this, Jen or Kim? Hi, it's Jen. Hi, Jen. Welcome to Gecko Nation Hi. Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What is it, what is it like uh, working with uh, Christina's animals, and, and uh, are, you know how much how much time do you put in over there? I put in as much as I can. You know, whenever she needs me, I tell her to call me. I come over. You know, we schedule time and everything else like that. Um, I absolutely love it. It's an adventure every time we do something. Um, there's always something going on. <laughs> um, totally entertaining. It's quite. It's it, it's fun. I I really enjoy doing it. We joke around a lot. Watermelon's yeah. yummy, Jen. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's so you guys I, get I a lot of watermelons. Lose. A lot of watermelons for reptiles, right? 
Oh, yeah. Some of them that eat them. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> they like them for treats. Uh, that's cool. That's, that's cool. One, but what one of my crusted geckos. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, one of my crusted geckos the one time I put some in front of his face and he just, like, mauled at it. I was completely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> now, we see a lot of pictures on Facebook of Christina holding the gators and working with them and um, then are you afraid to work with the gators, or do you work with them just as easily as she does? Um, no, I, I've gotten used to dealing with them through her. Um, I, I, I hope them too. Most of the pictures are of her, but there's, I think there's a few of me with Apollo and stuff like that. I, I like holding them. Um, when we do, like, the education shows, I walk around with, like, tiny, um, our smaller one we use to show the kids before we bring Apollo out. So I have no problem in like, no fear of working with them as long as she's around. If she's not around, then I'm a bit more wary, but I know I can trust what's going on when she's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, have either of you ever, like, I don't know, I hate to ask, but I guess I have to ask. Have you ever been bit yet by any of them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had matching bite marks one time. Yeah, we had two come in from New York, and uh, they were the same size, about two and a half foot, and we each got a, a gentle nip on the uh, forearm. Yeah. <laughs> just gentle, though. Nothing bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was... just gentle. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had okay. worse dog bites. <laughs> it happens. Wow. You know, when you're in the field, it happens. Yeah, no, certainly. Now, as a whole, Christina, um, and, and Jen, you can chime in, too, if you like, uh, what, how do you ladies feel about the pet trade in general? And what, if you could make any kind of changes to what the way, you know, animals are currently sold, what what would you do? And uh, why don't you go first, Christina? Okay. Well, in all honesty, and I know there's probably going to be a lot of people that might not like I'm saying this, I know okay. a lot of species of reptiles are really overbred, like the ball pythons and certain other species. It gets – there's even people breeding alligators up here. And it's like, why? If they would mm-hmm. just come to my place maybe one time and see – all the emails and calls I get daily of all the quote-unquote normals, normal and common reptiles, they might think a little differently. But that is my biggest problem with the pet trade. It's, it's people are constantly breeding to make the newest more for the best or something like that, and it's just a little irritating sometimes in my eyes, and I know not everyone's going to agree with that. That's okay. That's, well, that's what we want to we want to be able to show the different sides of things. And, you know, when, when right. you, you know, and, and I can appreciate your opinion. And I, I'm looking to make cool morphs with my geckos. I'm a gecko guy. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I haven't been Well, you got some end. awesome looking geckos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I try really hard. But uh, I can assure you that none of my geckos are ever going to uh, wind up on your doorstep needing homes. Okay? That's awesome. I promise. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. You know, at, as a breeder, I'm very careful about who I sell to. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't mind yeah. those people. The, the, the breeders that are careful with who they sell their animals to or anything, that, that's fine. But there's a lot of, like, quote-unquote backyard breeders, people that just want to make yep. a quick buck. Yep. Those are the I people know. that make me leery. Yes, yes. And we see a lot of them on Craigslist and whatnot. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people feel that, all right, well, you know, if I can breed so many amount of geckos or snakes, I can make this this, this much money. And right. it doesn't always work out that way, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and gonna, Christina, that's that's say. definitely some that's definitely something that Dave stresses on the show uh, to new breeders 
is to be prepared for, you know, if you cannot sell the babies that you produce, to be prepared to keep um, at least right. for a certain amount of time the babies that you produce. And that's something that a lot of people that are new to breeding geckos don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's, with, just, it's with any animal. So, I mean, even cats and dogs. I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just reptiles, unfortunately, but it's everywhere. It is. I know. And, and what I think is, what I think happens too is, um, these people that have ideas about making uh, breeding animals into a business, and I think, you know, business, you know, making a business for yourself is fine. But if you're going to make a business, part of making a business is creating your own customer base and advertising mm-hmm. and all that. Right. And a lot of people are great, you know, they're great at breeding the animals, but they're not creating their own. They're not bringing in customers, so they're basically trying to sell their animals to the same people that are already, mm-hmm. you know, in the same pool of customers, and it's not working. Yeah, and that's, why that's an seeing... important part. you gotta, you got to make sure yeah. that your customer base grows all the time, too, as you keep breeding. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And um, I've certainly done that with my YouTube channel and everything else that I'm working on, and uh, I think other people can, you know, follow examples like mine and other breeders like Matt Veronic has, has a big YouTube channel that he draws people in with his Facebook page, and you know, the more new hobbyists, if we can get, if we can offset the scale so that there's new people getting interested in reptiles as opposed to, you know, animals being produced, if we can offset it so, you know, we have more people getting interested, then there won't be such a need for as many uh, rescued animals, I would think. Don't you think, Christine? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. You know, the other downfall with, uh, like, the new morphs coming out and everything, we end up with a lot of the commons because some people want to get the newer thing and then get rid of the old thing if you will so that's the right. only other thing that goes that goes on around a lot like ball pythons those are the most common as far as like the snakes we get a lot mm-hmm. of normals in i mean we do get morphs in every once in a while we actually got four in i want to say four months ago they were threatened to be decapitated if we did not take them so we ended up with a oh spider ball python a pastel an enchi and a fire belly which is rare for us to get any kind of a, a morph of any reptile, really. But people usually yeah. give up. They're, they're more common and then get the next best thing, some other new morph coming out. That's a shame. And those are actually common morphs. I think that's probably why they came Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. We actually got the well, uh, Asian vine snake through that, too, as well as a rainbow bow and a coastal carpet python. These snakes were left in a bucket by, I guess, oh, a, a tenant who moved out and left the snakes there, and the landlord put them all in a bucket. And it was 8 o'clock at night. I'm at the firehouse, and this guy's threatening he's going to decapitate him with a shovel if we don't come get mm. them. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so luckily Jeez. I had a good friend of mine, Kyle, from a Philly area that went down and grabbed them for me since I could not leave, and we ended up with uh, the ball pythons and the Asian vine snake. But, I mean, the stories that we hear and the threats that are made, it's just... <laughs> Unbelievable. Tell us, tell us some of the stories, if you will. Like, what, what, what is like the most craziest thing you've seen or heard? Oh my God, <laughs> that's a hard question. Dan, can you think of anything? Well, I know Apollo's story. Apollo, our most famous alligator, who has his own Facebook page. His story yeah. was November 29th. I even remember the date. It will be five years since we rescued him. He was left abandoned in a house. He was bought as a pet. And police found him. He was in a tote with wooden boards nailed to the top. No food, water, light, heat of any kind. 
and we don't know for how long. So that's that's just his story. But I mean, there's hundreds. We get hundreds of calls a year and emails for these animals that are being threatened to set loose, be shot. We had another alligator. Her name is Hope, which Kim can uh, talk to you about Hope then when she gets on. She's a three-foot alligator. She was being used as pit bull bait between nine pit bulls. She was being oh kicked God. and smacked and beat around with her mouth taped shut, and she was threatened to be put on the grill to eat while she was alive. I oh mean, we God. get crazy stories, crazy instances that happen. It's just like, what do you do? Your first initial response is, you know, you really want to get out there right away and help and get the animal. It's just disturbing sometimes with the stories that we get. I, have you ever been able to aid any investigations into animal cruelty or anything like that? Were you been able yes, to, and we actually uh, might currently be dealing with an animal cruelty case that we might have to go to court for uh, with about four snakes. Well, I should say three now. The one's already dead. The one was found dead. But, you know, it, it's off and on with cruelty cases like that. The initial call for that three-foot alligator that was being used as pit bull bait and whatnot, I called the state police because I could not legally go up and seize her because I'm not an animal cruelty officer, and I did not know any animal cruelty officer in that county because it wasn't in our county. So the state police supposedly went out and checked the hotel area for her, and they did not find anything. So the next day we went up, and the people basically told us they sold it to a guy in New Jersey. So I figured she was dead. So the lady that initially called us said, a month later, she's seen the alligator. She was surprised. It's still alive. So she bought it off these people for 50 bucks and brought her to us. Huh. So she, 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 okay, so she paid for the animal just to get it out of their hands. Yeah, she wanted to make sure that nothing else would happen to that alligator. Well, that's good. I mean, they weren't going to give it away for free, obviously. You had to, she had to pay for it. No, and I tried talking to the guys, too, and they just did not want to give her up. And then the last time we talked to her, to the guys, rather, they said they sold it mm-hmm. to a guy in New Jersey, which was obviously a lie since they still had it. But, I mean, there's all right. sorts of crazy stories. If you want, uh, we can get Kim on. Uh, she can talk more about some of the things and stories she's heard. Sure, sure, absolutely. Kim, call in. I think Jen just dropped off for Yeah, yeah, that's what she's saying, that she was dropped off. (laughs) We can call back in. I'll bring her back on. It's no problem. All right. Christina, can you you talk a little bit about um, how you go about adopting out some of the animals that uh, you take in that are um, adoptable? Um, Do you have a Facebook page or a website? Well, we have both a website and a Facebook page for the uh, sanctuary. However, we do not adopt out to the general public anymore. Why we stopped doing that is several years ago when we did that, basically people would adopt the animals from us really cheap, and we did background checks and everything, even home inspections with certain species. They would basically flip the animal to make a profit, and that just sent my guilty conscience sky high. I didn't want anything bad happening to the animals. So what we do now, instead of adopting them out to the general public, is we transport them to other facilities where they're going to stay, like other rescues or sanctuaries or zoos if there's something rare enough that they might take. Wow. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. 
I, I see a lot yeah, of, so wherever uh, our animals go, if we can't keep them, they go to a permanent place. I mean, most are even using educational shows, like most of ours as well. We go out to colleges and everywhere else to do educational shows. Uh, we were just asked to be uh, at Penn State University State Park to be, I guess, speaker out there as well. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, that is, absolutely. Um, you know, we see a lot of people on Craigslist, you know, I think there's like a whole culture, a subculture on Craigslist that just, you know, buy and sell cheap animals back and forth. I think that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I check it out just occasionally just to see what's on there and what's going on. And a lot of times I see the same things, and uh, I wonder, you know, like what the heck's going on? Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever, do you ever encounter any of those types of people? And um, <laughs> do you ever? Well, I stopped checking Craigslist a while ago. I got depressed seeing how many animals were just basically being thrown onto their for sale or get out of here or just take, you know, or people asking outrageous amounts of money for species that don't really cost that much, which I know that sounds kind of harsh, but mm-hmm. it's just sickening what you see sometimes. And even some of the comments, like, if this dog isn't gone tonight or this reptile isn't gone tonight, they're disposing of it, and it's depressing. I used oh. to go on there to look for, you know, like used cages or stuff like that, but I don't even go on there for that anymore. How about yeah. the one we heard tonight? <laughs> Which one? Uh, with Cheryl and Matt when they got their, uh, their Euromastic. The lady posted on there that she was giving away all this, 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 this Euromastic they picked up, plus a few other things, reptiles, all because they were getting a puppy. Yeah. They wanted to get rid of everything else because they were getting a puppy. It's kind of like throw out the old and bring in the new. I don't know, Kim, what do you think? Have uh, you checked on Craigslist any time for any animal Uh, stories? I go on the local papers and see people rehoming, and then they get them free and then charge them. They charge people for them like two weeks later. They're rehoming them again, so people get them free and then sell them at a higher price later. Yep. Yeah, that happens that's a lot. Flipping 101. Yeah, and that that whole term rehoming is like kind of abused, right? It is there's not supposed to be animal sales on Craigslist, so they call it rom- rehoming, right? Yeah, yep. they call it rehoming. Yeah. So they get them for free, actually, and then charge, they get them and then charge somebody else to buy them, yeah. Wow. Or the famous adoption fee. Yeah. Yeah. Or how about the ones that call in for you and they're like, here, I need you to take this, but I want you to give me 100 bucks for it. Yeah, like, sorry, we don't really buy any animals, we just rescue them. Have you ever had to, like, buy something, though? Like, it was just... You know, you felt too bad, or you ever get into one of those situations? Or? I mean, I won't uh-huh. lie. Way back when, when I first started, I did buy an iguana, like I was telling you earlier, about people feel sorry for seeing the animals mistreated in pet stores. I did buy uh-huh. one iguana once, like eight or seven years ago. I felt so bad, <laughs> but I haven't done it since, because I know now that that's not right. Yeah. All right, listen, uh, ladies, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, i got to play a sponsor plug, and uh, we'll be right back, and we'll get into a little more of the interview, and we'll take some phone calls uh, with your questions. Okay. Sound good, folks? Sound good. All right, hang tight. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. 
you can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. All right, folks, uh, we're going to go into the second part of our interview. And uh, before we get started, I just want to uh, mention that Keith Kiggins from giantleopardgecko.com is, of course, giving Gecko Nation Radio listeners a 25% off uh, coupon till September 30th. Use the code GNR2014. All right. And also, if you guys have any questions tonight for Christina and her assistants uh, about what it's like running a reptile rescue, uh, please call in at 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. All right, we are back, and um, hey, Tim, why don't you uh, start the second part of the show? Okay, uh, Christina, I'd like to just hear some uh, some fun stories you have about working with the animals or um, <laughs> or getting some new animals in. Always, you know, there may be sad moments, but there's always happy moments as well. <laughs> we get to work with some of the most awesome reptiles ever. They may be rescues, but I tell you what, they're not broken animals, so they're awesome to work with. You know, they always make me smile, whether it's a fish. We actually have a fish that you can actually play with. He's a red devil cichlid. His name is Clifford. Uh, we have so many animals that just make us smile throughout the day, even if we're having a crappy day. All we got to oh, do yeah. is hang around some of them. Right, Jen and Kim? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jen, how about what's what's your funniest moment with one of our animals? Oh, my God. Uh, I have to say that's okay, Gecko, that three-legged tripod. When we, the lady brought him over, and I wasn't there yet. Chrissy was with the lady, and the lady was talking to her about how she can go right in and up and everything else and hold her, and she'll just sit there. And she was fine for Chrissy that day. I go down to help Chrissy clean the one day, and we're like, oh, well, let's let's check out this. Okay, come look at it. I'm into the geckos. 
And we go to get this thing, and it starts freaking out, and you can't hold it, and it was, it was a mess. <laughs> it was, like, screaming and everything else, like, making all sorts of noises at us. <laughs> it was quite funny. Well, I guess Tripod just doesn't like you, Jen. How about Probably you, Ken? <laughs> uh, I like when the... Trying to get the alligators out, and Chrissy's like, take your time, don't get overconfident, <laughs> and I'm getting them out, and then get it on, and she's directing me how to do it since I'm the newest member of her team, and I pull it through, and then she's like, yeah, totally, totally gives me all the high fives and everything when I'm done. <laughs> That's the coolest thing. Sounds like a good workout, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a workout. <laughs> well, you would know, Kim, since you helped me wrestle the uh, one anaconda and the reticulated python yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a good time yesterday <laughs> with the anacondas. <laughs> what happened? Well, we had two yellow anacondas. The one newer one is from the cruelty case from, I'd say, three weeks ago. She's just not a happy camper. She's one of the worst snakes that we've ever had temperament-wise. And our other yellow anaconda isn't far behind. And we had a cleaning closure. So normally I never have a problem getting out the yellow anacondas. And my husband helps with the other anaconda. But <laughs> we were getting out the new one from the cruelty case, and she just completely flipped out. So this is something new for Kim. She's never worked or wrangled with larger snakes before. So we're slowly trying to teach her to do something so she can be a much bigger help. I know she's going to hate me soon. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you, do you, Christina, a, do you get any... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask him. I'm a, I'm a mammal person. I deal with horses, cows, you know. I'm that person. I'm, not, I'm just getting used to the reptiles now. I'm converting. Uh, we're we're yeah. <laughs> they're just as They're just as cute and cuddly, just in a different way, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, agree. Yeah. <laughs> they keep bigger dogs. Of, well, yeah. Do you get a lot of geckos <laughs> and stuff there? Actually, not really. Uh, the last gecko we got in was um, a leopard gecko morph, and before that was the tokay gecko with three legs. I guess another tokay got to it. Uh, Jen here is actually my gecko girl. Yep. We don't keep a lot of the geckos, so she takes in all the geckos. I forget how many she has now, but they're all... Oh, a dozen. <laughs> Oh, cool. Three different kinds, yeah. I take the alligators now. Yeah, Kim's actually taking the five-footer and temporarily holding her until we can get her transported to uh, North Carolina at some point shortly. We don't know when yet, but she's going to be taking the five-footer temporarily at least. Okay. Well, it looks like we have a caller on the line. Let's go ahead and take a call. Uh, caller from the 570 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Yes, hello. Hi, Hi, who's this? This is Cheryl calling. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good, how are you? Good, Thank you. good. What's your question? Well, I have a question in reference to just uh, what I hear different reptiles eat. Uh, I was just curious, do they actually eat or like fruit? Like, I don't know, like citrus fruits, watermelons? Well, all I'll depends on the species. <laughs> Well, what species uh, yeah. would you like to know? Well, and, any in general, like snakes versus uh, alligators, 
like well, is as that far as like fruits, fruits, as far as fruits go, yeah. so mainly any of your herbivores. But we tend not to feed too much citrus because too much citrus for herbivores is not very good for them. But okay. most of any other kind of fruits and veggies are good for any herbivore species of lizard, except for eggplant and avocado we don't feed. And there are certain ones that are high in oxalates, like broccoli. You should feed those in moderation because the oxalates in the, those foods are not good for them. Okay. But like our alligators, it depends on their size. They, everything eats pre-killed prey, so we don't feed live to anything except for bugs, of course. Like some of our alligators will eat anything from small rats, mice, pinkies, guinea pigs, hens, but they're all pre-killed. Wow. Okay. They eat a lot too, especially in the the warm months. Okay. Well, you know how you hear those type of things, like rumors and stuff, or just you know, you don't know what's truth and what's fact. Right. And that's the problem with a lot of the internet. There's so many conflicting sites. It's hard which ones to believe. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Thanks for calling in. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, let's figure out this other call. Caller from the 316 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, guys, it's Angela. Hi, Angela. Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just sitting here cleaning babies while I listen. Um, I was cool. actually wondering, since I'm guessing that you see some of the really big animals that have been, you know, gotten too big or whatever. Um, there's got to be some cases that are just kind of heartbreaking. Is yes. that true? Yes, always. What happens a lot, too, is when people buy, and again, it's any animals, not just reptiles, mm-hmm. but if something goes wrong medical-wise or they've taken care of the animal for so long, let's just say seven years, they've been doing the same routine day after day, feeding it the same foods, not getting enough sunlight or whatever, they finally start to show signs of internal illness, which is irreversible, and that's when the people don't really want to spend time or money to take the animal to a vet, so they bring them to us instead. And, like, for example, kidney and liver failure inside mm-hmm. any animal is not treatable, so what happens is we have to watch them slowly die or make the decision to euthanize them, which is extremely hard and heartbreaking. How do you not lose faith in people? How, how, how do you... Keep Good going question. when you do that, because honestly, I I admire anyone who can do what you do. How Thank do you. you keep positive, knowing it's, that this is really never going to stop? It's really rough. I tr- I try to keep hope with what I've been through personally, beating cancer and a lot of other medical problems, and you know, with what my family has been through too. Mm-hmm. It's really rough, but if I can beat cancer, I can keep going for the animals. I can just try to keep doing what I can do what's best for them. But, I mean, the animals eat better than I do. I eat hot dogs while they're eating <laughs> tilapia fish, fresh fruits and vegetables, and I'm eating hot dogs, and I know my mom scolds me for that all the time. My point on that is if, if we gave up on the animals, who would be there to take our place? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's around to, our area. Yeah, we have to keep going. And i got to yeah. give it to my mom and dad, too. Uh, when I first started this, they graciously allowed me to keep some of these critters in their house, which I know my mom was not fond of snakes, but she 
finally warmed up to the idea, okay, okay, because she knew I wanted to help them out. So props to my mom and dad for that, too. Awesome. Cool. Cool. You're awesome, mom and dad. Good job. <laughs> um, Angela, anything else for us? Um, you know, no, I think not tonight. I'm, like I said, I'm cleaning babies while I'm listening. I just wanted to, you know, make sure that I said how awesome it is and how much I admire you for doing that because it's Thank definitely so not much, something Angela. everyone can do. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Angela. Thanks. You guys have a great night. You too. You too. Okay. Yeah, Angela's cool. She's uh, she's a gecko person. She's into geckos. Ooh, um, gecko deal. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got another call. How can you not love a gecko? I mean, they got that face, a baby face. Yeah, they look like they're smiling most of the time. Most of them, yeah. Always. Uh I got got a leopard that's always giving me attitude every time I I look in his tank. He's he's watching what I'm doing. I'm just getting this look like, what's up (laughs) to They're smart. They're they're curious. They are. I think. Yeah. They very are. One of, one of the other ones that was one of the rescues that I got from Chrissy, um, it was a group of three. Every time I'm in my room or I turn my light on, he pokes his head out of the log like, all right, what's going on? Is anything I need to know about? All right, I'm good. I'm going back in. <laughs> that's cool. All right. And then the, the other one. The 216 area code. 216, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, how are you? Good. This is April calling in. I Hi, had April. a question for you. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I was actually wondering, are you currently doing any kind of like educational programs or shows to help promote uh, responsible reptile ownership? Or are you? Um, we do that always during the warm months. Uh, we don't do that during the winter. But we're always oh. doing educational shows wherever people ask us to go to, like colleges, daycares, churches, anywhere, really. We even do birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And I always make sure I talk about the animals in a positive way, of course. You know, proper husbandry, their, their diet included, and how much time and effort and even money it takes to care for these animals. Because I see a lot of kids during our shows that see, like, our one big Burmese python, and they say, oh, it's so cool, I want to have one. And I go into the details, of course, of how big, much bigger they're going to get, what they eat, and you've got to make sure handling-wise, because a very large snake can, of course, be dangerous holding by yourself. So I've turned some heads that wanted to buy a species just because of the cool factor with a lot of the information, you know, through education. Right. Yeah. That's great. I think shows like that are wonderful. Uh, they actually just had one at my son's daycare as well. And, you know, I thought it was very informational, and, of course, the kids get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. Yeah, you got to make it fun, too, educational but fun. Keep the kids interested. Make sure they actually learn some facts about the animals. That's the best yeah. thing. When you see the, the kids' faces light up, oh, not yeah. only when they see the animals, but when they actually get to walk away with information, that they actually learn something, it's, it's amazing. Of course, right. Cool. Anything else, April? No, that was the only question I had for you tonight. Okay, great. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Thanks April. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Christina, right. those hey, people um, that say that that say that they like uh, the big Burmese pythons and other um, big animals, you should always uh, offer to have them come volunteer and and work with <laughs> the animals. 
Yep, we do have uh, quite a few younger kids that do want to come by and help out, which we do sporadically, usually during the summer when they're out of school. And they, they learn a lot, and sometimes they've changed their minds with, oh, this animal gets really big, or this animal can be very aggressive. And sometimes, like, the furry animal lovers don't necessarily like to see sometimes what the snakes eat. So they kind of, they, they learn a lot, which is always great that they're walking away with information. You know, one of the things I see a lot on YouTube especially is people sensationalizing a feeding, a live feeding of reptiles. And it kind of upsets me because, yes, of course, mm-hmm. I know they have to eat, but do we really need to, need to rub it into animal rights groups' uh, faces and especially people that really love the furry animals, we have to rub it in their face all the time and show frogs eating live mice and snakes eating live rabbits and stuff like that. Um, How do you feel about that stuff? Well, I know a lot of people do it just to get a kick out of it. No, I shouldn't say a lot. Some people that I've heard and seen like to watch an animal like a mouse or a rat or what have you that a snake might eat or another carnivorous animal just to watch it suffer and die a slow death. That, that's not right in my eyes. To me, if you're going to feed live, feed live for the right reasons. Now, like I mentioned before, we feed all pre-killed, so we don't have to worry about any of that. And actually, feeding live can be more dangerous, especially with snakes, because if a rat would turn around and bite the snake, now the snake's injured. And I know a lot of people say, well, they feed live for enrichment for the animal because they hunt, you know, in the wild, of course, live animals which is true that they hunt live animals in the wild, of course, but the snake that you have or whatever animal you have that's eating this prey item is in captivity. It's not in the wild. So my suggestion is always feed pre-killed if possible because it's less danger, potential danger, to the predator that's eating the prey. That way you don't have to worry about the rat or the mouse biting the animal. Right, and the prey item was likely euthanized in a humane way. A lot of rat operate, rat breeding and mice breeding operations are using CO2 now. And, right. uh, you know, yeah, these, these animals don't need to, to you know, be, you know, die you know, horrifically. But, um, exactly. I mean, in nature, they, yeah, in nature they hunt these animals because they have to. There are no pre-killed animals in nature. So you're mm-hmm. right. You're absolutely right. They're not in nature. So there really is no reason to feed live unless, unless the animal were, won't, eat pre-killed. I mean, there are a lot of snakes that just won't eat. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we have one snake in particular. He's the Asian vine snake. He eats anoles, and unfortunately, he will not eat dead ones. He has to eat live ones. And I tell you what, he is one of the saddest (laughs) Asian vine snakes I have yet to see. But unfortunately, you know, you might have a stubborn eater, and you might have to go the live route. But just make sure you take a lot of precautions. You sit there and watch. Make sure that the rat, mouse, or whatever does not bite the animal that's trying to eat it. Because I've seen that happen a lot. Yeah. I, I remember a friend of mine, he had a snake that it had its eye eaten out, of, eaten out because they left the mouse in there overnight. And, yeah, yeah. the next day the snake didn't eat yeah, it. Yeah, they can, they can do a lot of damage. Yeah. Now, people don't think it's good can do <laughs> Yeah, even bugs with the smaller species, like Jen said, the crickets and and mealworms, too. Well, yeah, I I mean, yeah, the crickets can... Not to the bad extent like a rat or mouse would, but... 
Right. Well, I've seen crickets eat toes off geckos, leopard geckos, and stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. use crickets anymore, uh, but I know yeah, people that I, still do. And I, I remember um, I worked very, very briefly at a Petco, and um, one of my first days on the floor, I had to take this phone call from this really, really, really upset mother. Um, they just bought a bearded dragon, and the guy told him to feed it mealyworms. And here, the mealyworm, it didn't, he didn't get the head all the way, and the mealyworm went down in the stomach, and the head actually ended up, like, eating out of the stomach lining, and it killed the lizard, and they didn't find this out until the vet did, like, an autopsy on it. Um, and they were really upset about that. So I, I will not give mealyworms to any of my animals anymore after I heard that story. Well, you know what? That's that's actually a myth. Uh, Tim, you know, you know about that, right? Oh, no, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's been so long or not. But um, it's a myth about mealworms actually being able to eat their way through. What happens is, um, the lizards don't always aren't able aren't always able to digest the exoskeleton of a mealworm. Yeah, the exoskeleton. Yeah, so it appears like it um, is eating its way through, but in fact, it's just passing through naturally. But it, it oh, does look okay. that way, and a lot of people think that that can happen. Um, I feed mealworms exclusively to all my geckos, and never have okay. had an issue like that. Even the baby yeah, ours, ours eat mealworms occasionally. We just feed it as a treat because yeah. it's kind of like candy to reptiles. We don't want them to get <laughs> overly uh, yeah. stuck on just mealworms. They love those. <laughs> I know. And waxworms are addictive. You, so you get them on waxworms, they'll never eat anything else from what I've seen with leopard geckos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mine were picky. They, I, I've had them on wax for a little while, then all of a sudden they just refuse to eat them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh, really? all, all four oh, of my boys refused to eat them. I would, I'd put them in there and I'd angle them and everything else, and they would just look at me like, um, no. <laughs> Jeez. Well, they get used to certain things sometimes, I think. And Yeah, they get yeah. used They're like anything else. I have my uh, my little chihuahua here, Wanda. She's a very picky eater, and um, <laughs> she, only eats, she only eats the Rachel Ray dog food. I can't feed her. She won't eat anything else. And... You know, Rachel Ray is, of course, the most expensive, so she's like a little yep. prima donna. Yeah, and, uh, figures. <laughs> Our cats yeah, are like that at my house. <laughs> oh, really? They, what, what do they eat? Um, my mom has them on, I think, like the one of the Purina brands, and if she buys anything else, they will look at her and, <laughs> like, what the heck is this in my dish? Get it out of my dish. I want my food. My oh, dog's the same If it's not Kibbles and Dits or Pedigree, he will dump his dish and then sit there and look at you. Yeah. Don't I have we a, all have, have picky animals? <laughs> well, I think it comes with the territory sometimes too. Yeah. Mhm. I have a, I have an interesting. I guess this might be a bit of a controversial question. I'm going to put it out to you anyway. Uh, Humane Society and PETA, good guys, bad guys. What do you think? Bad guys. <laughs> bad guys. We don't care. And why? For, for both of them. Well, for one thing, they spend just about all their money on just advertisement and trying to make themselves money. Only 1% of any kind of money that they make actually goes towards shelters which actually need the money. So that's just one little bit of information there of why we really don't care for HSUS or PETA. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm not sure if this is a myth. Maybe you can enlighten me if, if I'm wrong. I have heard that HSUS' main goal and I think PTA, is to eventually have no animal held in captivity. They're just starting right now with the reptiles because it would be the easiest. 
That's correct. That's not a myth. That is absolutely okay, true. Okay, so I was correct. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, that's like the ultimate goal. And uh, they, I think it's I think it's their opinion that people are not responsible to own pets of any kind. That's just how they feel. I mean, they while there's not a lot of responsible people out there, there are a lot of responsible people out there. I mean, it, it goes both ways. There are your crappy owners, and then there's your owners that take excellent care of their animals, albeit lions, mm-hmm. tigers, bears, alligators, cats, dogs. There are responsible yep. people out there that really do cherish their animals and know how to take care of them. But these right. associations don't see that. They just don't want any animal cage, which unfortunately... Once an animal is domesticated, you can't just release it back into the wild, and you shouldn't just shoot it. It's just no. not fair to the animal. No, and as wildlife populations decline, I think captive breeding is going to save a lot of these animals in a sense, too. Exactly, conservation. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's where a lot of zoos get a lot of flack for having caged lions and whatnot, but in a sense, they're trying to help conserve the species because they're dwindling in the wild. Right, exactly. Um, you know, it's 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 a tough thing to tackle, it really is. And I don't like Right. I mean, you know you know, when when a sex offender comes into a new neighborhood, they have to register with the town. Why can't someone that's neglected or abused animals have to do the same thing? So this way yep. they're not able to get get a hold of animals anymore. And that, you know, Right, you would hit the nail like, on the head. <laughs> yeah, like why can't that something like that be inducted? I, I think that would be a good way to to curb some of this activity. I know it wouldn't stop it, but I mean it would definitely, you know, help a little bit in the big scheme of things. Um, yeah, and exactly. Then, you know, these these issues like these these people in HSUS um, have a very skewed version of what is actually happening out there too, and they're you know they they're out there right now really targeting the reptile community and uh mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate and i don't know i mean how do you feel well, about reptiles, the fact like that i mentioned earlier they're, they're such an easy target because first of all they're so misunderstood to begin with i've had right. and this is no lie literally people tell me because they hate snakes they want the whole species eradicated and you know what that oh. would do if all snakes did not exist on this planet your rodent population would boom, which would affect the farming and the crops, and then you'd have major problems. Snakes, this as well as any animal, yeah. is needed on this planet. And they're slowly dwindling because of misinformation and being misunderstood. And reptiles mm-hmm. are on top of that list. That's terrible. I, I, and they're such beautiful, amazing creatures. I don't understand how they've, you know, been the subject of, this hatred and fear for so long. Like, people, like, haven't woken up about them yet. A lot of us have that appreciate them and, you know, are definitely in the in the minority, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I was, I'm hoping that herpetoculture becomes more mainstream because I think it'll be a positive thing because, right. you know, I mean, then they won't be as misunderstood. So, I, so, Christina, I mean, I guess the main goal, you know, a lot of us, even with this radio show, we preach to the choir, so to speak, where we're preaching to... Or we're we're you know covering topics that appeal to people in the reptile hobby that follow the reptile hobby closely. But I guess a part of our goal as reptile keepers and breeders should be also to um, get new people interested, the people that never even considered reptiles as a pet uh, or right. you know at, yeah. So what what do you think is a good way to do that? Get people that you know 
that aren't in the community into the community. What do you think? Well, like what we try to continuously do is whether we're just out selling hot dogs as a fundraiser or actually at an educational show teaching about these animals, we just keep pushing you know, the, the information about these animals, not to believe everything you see on TV or the Internet. Like, I know there's a lot of TV shows and movies that portray, of course, the reptiles in a negative manner, and that sparks a fear in some people, believe it or not, what they might see in movies like that. So actually today, for example, we had somebody come in for a tour of our facility. There was a lady that did not like snakes. She had a fear of snakes. And we have this one snake in particular. His name is Sly. He's a ball python. He is a sweetheart. He has changed many snake haters into, believe it or not, snake lovers. She actually held the snake, had it around her neck, was petting it. So she went out with a different outlook on snakes today versus just seeing them on TV and was afraid of them. Yeah, well, that's one way. Uh, what other, is there anything else that you could recommend for people, you know, to do? Like, say say there's a young person out there that's got his first uh, snake. He was able to convince his parents or her parents to let them have a snake. What can somebody like that do to, um, you know, get Well, even if it's a, a young child or, if, like, if they're still in school, you know, talk about the snake at school or talk about your lizard or... You know, spark an interest in other kids, spark an interest in adults, uh, your parents' friends or something. Just talk about them. Get them intrigued. You know, say stuff that will really, like, spark an interest in them. Like, this this alligator is so awesome. Did you know that back in the day there were two species called Sarcosuchus and Dinosuchus? They were both 40 feet long, weighed 10 tons. You know, the awesomeness. I mean, they're, they're relatives to the dinosaurs. I mean, it's just so awesome. How could you not like reptiles? I know. I don't get it either. Exactly. All their variations, their colors. You know, they almost look like, they almost don't look alive. Like, they look so, they're so perfect. <laughs> you know? They, like a statue. You know what I mean? Like, right. A majestic look, statue. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just a, completely amazed with them. And, I mean, I'm converted, so, you know, it's, it's just the way I am already. But um, I can't mm-hmm. imagine why anybody doesn't find these as fascinating as I do. It's just... It doesn't make sense. And there are reptiles that do have a sense of a personality. I mean, they each have their own personality. Like, even every single one of our alligators or every single one of our snakes or lizards, they're all different. They're like a fingerprint. They're each unique in their own ways. Some just are constantly pissy. But (laughs) with the stories that we get of, you know, where they came from, I can't always, you know, deny them that. So I understand that. But, I mean, but there's some that are so gentle. They'll just lay on you and just, they're so observant, like, Spirited dragons especially, they'll just sit there, and if you talk to them or come up to them, they'll tilt their head and just look at you right in the eyes. How can you not like something like that? I mean, I know yep. they don't have fur or feathers, but they still deserve a chance to live like any other animal would on this planet. Don't They're intelligent. Miss, don't give them that you know, missed opportunity of a, of a good life just because they have scales instead of fur. That's true. You're all right. Have you ever seen... Um Base Durham, so we call him the Lizard Whisperer. He, uh, mm, he actually, doesn't ring a bell. He tra- well, he trains his iguanas. He's got some large iguanas. He lives in California. Uh, he's got okay. large iguanas that live in a in his backyard. He basically converted his backyard into a huge sanctuary. So his animals, cool. his lizards, live out there. Yeah, his lizards live out there. And awesome. he's got a barn that they go to sleep in at night. He converted it, made little doors for each one, and this and that. It's really cool. But anyway, he's, he actually <laughs> trains. He trains his iguanas. And, like, I had a big 
I had a rhino iguana that I actually rescued, and it was a rescue from someone mm-hmm. on uh, Craigslist. And, you know, I had them for about, a, I don't know, six months to a year, and I figured, you know, I have them in a big, beautiful cage, but I could give them a better life. So I sent them to California to live with this guy, Dave, and now, oh, nice. uh, now he, this iguana, he calls it by name, and it comes and crawls right up on his shoulder. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. And yeah, it's unfortunate. A lot of people don't think reptiles are smart. Like an alligator, they for are. example, they yeah. may have the size, the brain the size of a walnut that weighs like eight to nine grams, but I also train and teach alligators to do things as well. Like Target train them mm-hmm. for feeding. We have a few that sit on command, walk on a harness and leash. You know, not that I'm trying to tell everybody to go do this, <laughs> but I work with them as well. It's amazing how they learn things. They're kind of like horses in a sense where they learn through repetition. So, I mean, it's amazing how much reptiles can learn and what they can do. Like you were mentioning that guy training his iguana. It's, they're not dumb mm-hmm. animals. They're really smart. How do you train an alligator? <laughs> That's a secret I will never tell. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Well, is there like a um, – let's see, how can I pose the question a little differently? Is there like um, – I guess you got to have the – they got to be comfortable with you. You know, so – um, I guess, I don't know, it, it, I guess it takes time, right? You've got to build a bond with them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in all yeah. honesty, you can't always form a bond with every single animal. Like, there's some alligators that we have that just want to eat me, which is fine. I mean, it's an alligator. You can't expect every alligator to be, quote, unquote, sweet and cuddly, which they shouldn't be to begin with. But mm-hmm. there are animals, certain individuals are more trainable than others. Like our one alligator, Apollo, he's the one that will sit on command he has a certain uh, motion I give him where he'll start walking. Granted, he doesn't walk very far. He's lazy, but. I'm not going steps. He likes going up and down steps yeah, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> last year he learned how to go up and down steps. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And you're, and you're comfortable with him to bring to, show, uh, to your, um, I guess, your shows when you bring him to parties and stuff? And, um, him, yeah. You know, you're. Yeah, you're confident in his uh, being cool with, him, with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can nice. read his uh, eye language when he starts to get a little agitated, like when he needs a break from people. I can read by his mm-hmm. eye language when he needs a break. Like if I start seeing a little bit of bubbles coming out from his eyes, it means he's starting to get a little agitated. He needs a break, so I take him away and make sure he's not bothered until he calms down again. But he's he's been a superstar with us for almost five years. And he's educated a lot of people about just that species in particular. People that were afraid of alligators now know how amazing they are, the history behind them, that they're not just dumb animals, that when you see them in the wild, they're not necessarily just going to run after you and kill you. They'd rather get away from you in the wild than come after you. Right, right. And what about the venomous animals? Do you take any of those in? We don't surprisingly get too many calls for venomous. Uh, if anything, we get more calls to relocate, like if somebody has a rattlesnake on their doorstep. We also go out and remove and relocate them. We, obviously, we don't keep them. Mm-hmm. We don't want to keep wildlife. You know, wild belongs in the wild, so we would relocate yep. them. Okay. Well, what do you think about – and here's, now here's something interesting. Somebody listening uh, to this show tonight, maybe – Maybe they'll listen to this show a year from now, even two years. You never know. Um, what, what if somebody gets the idea, you know, wow, you know, she's, she's, she's done it. She's been able to, 
you know, create her own sanctuary for animals, uh, you know, I'd like to do this too. What what are the necessary steps for someone to take to, you know, get the the, the tax ID for it and to do it legitimately? And, uh, you know, what would you recommend someone, where does someone start to, you know, start their own nonprofit sanctuary? Well, I never discourage anybody, but I had a lot of help with my husband on getting formed as a, a nonprofit organization and then getting the tax exempt and then getting the 501c3 uh, form to get filled out and sent in, which, you know, we were accepted. It is a lot of paperwork. <laughs> I won't lie. And if my husband were on the phone, he'd tell you. It's a lot to go through. Sometimes you might have to wait eight months just to find out if you were accepted just for the 501c3. And even though we are a nonprofit, it still costs you about 1000 to $1,500 just to get that status. So, I mean, it's, it's going to cost money as well. But first, you have to form a corporation, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit. There are websites that do help, as well as attorneys can help you out with that. Then you have to become tax-exempt, and then you can file for your 501c3. Okay. What is, what is the 501c3 thing? What is that about? Basically, it's a fancy word for making sure that you're you're legal, you're legit, you're federally recognized. Okay. Okay. And then from that point in, from that point on, where do you get funding? Like, how do you get, you know, how do you stay 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 going? A lot of fundraising. A lot. <laughs> That's where we do like the educational shows. Uh, like I mentioned before, we do the hot dog sales. We do coin pitches. It's year-round. We're constantly thinking of ideas and things to do. Halloween parties we'll host. Just anything to try to get money in because if we don't get any money in, that means we can't keep the animals because they're not getting what they need. And I'm not selfish enough to keep an animal if I know I can't properly take care of it. And that would kill me to have to get rid of our animals. Okay, so what can what can we do to help? What can... Um, people out there in the reptile community do to help you, and uh, you know what, what? What can others do to help you? Well, we do have a website where we do have a donation buttons, and I see Kim has some ideas here. But uh, our website is, of course, www.christinaspets.com. All our information is on there, and there's a on our homepage and the donation page. There's a button where you can donate money if you'd like to, and Kim, what? What would you have to say? Donations of money is great. Any fundraisers that people can put together and, you know, wherever they are and then just send the money in to Christine. That's awesome. Okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a member. We have another group on Facebook and uh, where we do stuff for, for people in need. Maybe we can... Uh, do some animal auctions and to, to help you sometime. That's, I'll talk to awesome. the admins. Yeah, maybe yeah, we can put something awesome. like that together. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to do something to help you as well. And uh, you know, we don't. I mean, our our listenership is is strong, and you know, the show's listening listen to people all around the world now. And uh, you know, I don't know exactly how successful it'll be, but you know, I'll definitely see what I can do, Christine. If you know, even if we. You know, do it at least once a year. We'll do some kind of fundraising thing for you. Um, yeah, it's like much to... appreciated. Every cool. little bit. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we literally try um, to think of anything. I mean, even new ideas. We might crash and burn on a few ideas, like the Halloween party we had and hosted last year. It didn't go very well, 
But, you know, we tried it. We're going to try it again this year, more than likely, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But we'll try anything to try to raise money just for the animals because, I mean, even vet bills cost a lot too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice in a perfect world that, you know, the, the reptile world has, like, its own, you know, legitimate humane society that was really out there for the animals. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. You know, it's... Have you ever well, right thought now about... the HSUS is just completely against reptiles. They don't include them at all. So it's like this group of yeah. you know our community, our reptile community, is just like constantly under attack, and it's hard to oh keep up God. with it. We're all it is it. terrible. You know, mm-hmm. as a as someone that loves these animals just as much as you guys, um, you know, and and you know, it's basically made a lifestyle out of this. To have this over my head like a black cloud all the time that, you know, they're trying to make this illegal, this, this, this love I have for these animals and, this, and mm-hmm. the community, of course. It's just, it's a terrible way to live, having that in the back of your head all, your, all the time. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I often wonder, too, like, down the road, what's going to happen if they try to take our animals away that I spent so much time, money, and effort into and educating people about? I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. And what happened? Didn't something happen in Ohio where they changed some laws? And you oh, know, there yeah. was a rescue. Uh, what happened there? Uh, Ohio you know? is just a big mess, unfortunately, and that's what sparked a lot of these bans on animals is because of what happened in Ohio with the the guy that owned the tigers and let them loose, and I guess he had bears, lions, and monkeys of all sorts. But that's what's really sparked all this banning and regulations with reptiles. And I don't necessarily agree with banning. I mean, all of that's going to do is, because people are still going to try to get the animals, they're just going to do it illegally now. I don't really right. agree with the banning. There needs to be some better way to do this, not just ban a species. We, see, we need an advocate on our side, a strong advocate. I mean, USARC is great. I love what they're doing. But we need, we need someone even stronger on our side. We need, like, a union of some kind that's... Yeah, and I don't know if we could ever form something like that. And Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's rough with the reptile community. I know. And do you, from your perspective, do you see a lot of division amongst the reptile people? Do you see a lot of issues, like, in your Honestly, circles? unfortunately, I do. It's You get the, the long-time keepers, and then you get the newbies, and then you get the people in between. It, it's They all seem to clash sometimes. Like, sometimes the old timekeepers don't necessarily want to get into, like, the new ways of doing things. New things were discovered about, well, for example, how to keep a savanna monitor. They're kind of stuck in their old ways. And then the newbies are getting all this different information from the old timers. And then the new information, and sometimes they have a hard time in which direction to go. And it just, it can, it can be a mess. Yeah. Uh, I see another 610 number come on. Did, did your husband want to pop on the air, Christina? Uh, if that's him, he has a 610 number. <laughs> okay, let's take it. Uh, a caller from the 610, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Yes, um, my name's Larry. I'm Christina's husband. Uh, just Hi, Larry. To say, nice uh, to hello. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say we don't utilize any tax dollars. We don't ask for any tax dollars. That's why we're 501c3 which means people can donate to us and it is tax deductible. That's one of the reasons for a 501c3. You can donate to a 501c3 and you can write it off on your taxes. And we're not like these other big operations that 
uh, apply for tax uh, money and everything else. We do everything on our own. We don't spend anybody's tax money. Everything we get is by donation. And uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. tough, let me tell you. It's very tough. So that's just what yeah. I wanted to say. I wanted to clarify that up a little bit. We did apply for well, some grants through uh, Petco and a couple other of those big operations, but they denied us. They're more interested in the furry creatures like cats and dogs. Well, and the, but they, they also helped the Pittsburgh Zoo, which I don't see why they would need the grant money versus like operations like us. But, yeah, this is right. what I was telling you. My husband knows more about this 501c3 than I do. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of money. Uh, like she said, it was like about $1,500 till it's all said and done. Just to get a 501c3, we waited uh, 8 to 10 months, and it's like 35 to 40 pages just for that application. But to do it legally, you got to start from scratch, get tax exempt from the state, register your enterprise through the state, and then you go federal. And once you're all set up, you're completely legal. That way nobody can come back and say, Oh, you guys are running some kind of fake operation or something. That's that's the nice thing about having all the paperwork. And we also have full liability insurance uh, for all our shows and everything. So, you know, we're all set mm-hmm. to go. And that, that's basically all I wanted to throw in there for a comment. Okay, Thanks, Larry. Um, I just want to. Hey, Larry. I just want to say, um, I when I came to check out the place uh, a couple of years back, I think I remember seeing you hard at work in the backyard. Are, are you like uh, Christina's mule over there? <laughs> Build them all the time? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I help build, too. I'm actually quite good at it. Yeah, it, it's a lot of building and so forth. But, yeah, I'm like the, the, the 24-hour maintenance person, so <laughs> that's how that works. Good, good, for, good for you. She keeps us in line. Plus, I keep two jobs just to help afford the place. So that's that's the other thing. Yeah, you know, he I, does. I, I have two, two jobs, you know. What I, see, was that? I see the the pictures on Facebook a lot. I, I just want to commend you guys for also being firemen and women, and I think that's very admirable. So thank you for right. the service to the community as well. Yeah, we also yeah, do that. Thank you. Too, so. Yeah, Larry is actually the uh, fire chief, and I'm actually a lieutenant with the fire department. So we like to help people and animals all around. All right. That's awesome. That is really cool. All right. Okay. Cool. Thanks. I'm thank gonna, you very I'm much for you guys. in, Larry. Yep, I'm going to let you guys get back to it. Larry, before you hang up, I was wondering if you guys could just talk a little bit about what a typical day in your life is like uh, (laughs) working working two jobs and then taking care of all the animals. Hectic. And it's in the fire department, too. Yeah, yeah, hectic. Uh, Hopefully we don't have any fire calls because every darn time we're working on something or building something or, or something, then we get a fire call, and that really messes the day up, so. Uh, but, uh, you know, normally a normal day, I have two jobs. I work mornings at one job, and I work afternoon and evening at the other job. But I need to just to keep things afloat. You know, it's, it's, it's like she said, it's a lot of money. We do get a lot of donations, actually, uh, in uh, a lot of donations of food and vegetables and fruits and things from one of the places I work at uh, gives us a lot of stuff, and uh, uh, we get from some of these churches and some of the other things. But... Uh, uh, the rest we have to buy, and that's that's what costs the money. So, so any kind of uh, donations, like she said, there's a, a a button on the website, christinaspets.com. You can use PayPal or a credit card or whatever, and it goes right into the every, every. Believe me, every cent that is sent in is spent on the animals because uh, I'm. That's all I do. I spend on the animals myself. So, there's no money that we go on vacations. She she can tell you when the last vacation we had. I can't even remember. No, I can't because I don't remember. <laughs> they don't go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of work. So okay, I'm gonna let you people get going. I'm I'm just listening. 
All righty. Okay, thanks, thanks for having Larry. me on. All right. Yeah, absolutely. See you later. All right. Looks like we have a caller on the line. It's from a, I think it's from a Skype phone number. Uh, it's strange, but I'm going to go ahead and take a chance and take this call. All right, okay. caller. It looks like a 111, maybe an international call. Let's see. Caller, you're on the, on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, I was. I have um, a question for Christina. I was wondering what the smallest animal she has is. Ooh. Okay. Smallest animal. Uh, tarantulas are pretty small. We have some small fish, but as far as reptiles go, our smallest would probably be our three-legged toke gecko. What about Nosy? Oh, yeah, Nosy's a regular slider. He's about three and a half inches. Okay, so he might be our smallest then. We get a lot of regular sliders in. <laughs> oh, I bet, yeah. Any other questions, caller? Um, no. Okay, thank you very much for calling in tonight. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Um, all right, girls. I'm gonna play something for you here, and you can tell me tell me what kind of gecko this is. Is that okay? You hear it? Yeah. 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 What kind of gecko is that? I'm thinking between two species. Jen, you're my gecko oh, girl. Yeah, but I. The only geckos I have that make noise are my crustids when they're being weird, and they don't make noise right, like I'll, that. Well, it's kind of good that you, you haven't heard this noise, because that's, that's a that's a toke gecko right before you're about to get Oh, like, see, I was going to say that. I just didn't want to sound like stupid on air. She didn't hear what she didn't say it on the Because I heard our toke make that noise, and I just didn't want to sound stupid. Hers <laughs> is a little yeah. more screamy, though. <laughs> well, this, this I should always go with my first screaming. instinct. <laughs> That's what a leopard gecko sounds like when it screams. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, girls, it's been a great interview. I really admire what you're doing, Christina, and your, Jen and Kim, too. You girls are doing amazing work, and there should be a lot more people out there doing what you guys are doing. And I hope that our show tonight does a little bit to maybe inspire some other people to maybe consider doing something. I mean, you don't, you don't even have to do it on such a grand scale as Christine is doing it, but you know, you might be able to do it on a smaller scale and help some, some animals. And um, I'm going to see what we can do with Gecko Nation. As Gecko Nation grows, there's more things that we can possibly do with it. And uh, I'm definitely going to do what I can to send some money your way, uh, Christine, and awesome. we'll probably awesome. get that going in the next month or two. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be in touch with, yeah, we'll be in touch. Maybe we can set it up so it kind of, you know, works out where we can do something, you know, cool at least once a year or get something you know, fun, fun, like a fun fundraiser of some kind. And, uh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. you still, you still got to get your butt back down to my place. I mean, things have changed a lot since you've been down. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm going to take a ride one day. I, I was telling my one buddy we should go check it out. So, yeah, definitely. I'll try to make it a point to get down there sometime soon. I'd love to see how it's changed. Uh, and uh, It was amazing then. I can only imagine how amazing it is now. And I'm sure. Uh, yeah, just let me know when. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm sure Larry's broke a lot of sweat making new stuff over there, so. Yeah, <laughs> and me too. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just busting on him because I know what it's like to, you know, be the handyman doing a lot of work, so. It's, oh, it's yeah, all yeah, good. he's a big but, help. But you know what? Um, why don't, uh, at this time, I'll give you a chance. We're going to wrap things up soon, and I'll give you a chance to leave the listeners with any uh, closing remarks that you'd like to to leave us with. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, anybody out there in the reptile community, let's just make sure we all stay strong. we got to fight for what we believe in, which is our rights to keep these animals. Do what you can to educate the public about these creatures because they're so misunderstood. Just make sure you keep preaching about how awesome they are and try to do the right thing, like I mentioned before about the whole pet store deal. If you see an animal suffering in there, go to corporate or go to the manager and talk about it. Don't buy the animal. That's a big thing with me, especially with the rescue business. Please try to go bigger and better in that sense because every little bit helps. Instead of buying the animal, just go right to the person and ask them about it or tell them. Just try to make some kind of a difference. We've got to stay strong in this reptile community. Well said. How about Kim and Jen? What would your girls like to say? I don't know, I think Christy kind of said it. You know, just got to keep together, educate the public, teach them how awesome these animals actually are. You know, that they deserve the respect that they should be getting. Yep, absolutely. I agree 100%. And if you know anybody who has an animal and they're not treating it right, turn them in, get them, do whatever you can to help them, and get them to somebody like Christy who knows what they're doing with them. Yes, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, give out your website one more time, Christina, so people uh, don't forget. Okay, our website is www.christinaspets.com. Check us out. Absolutely. All right, Christina, thank you so much, Kim and Jen, and, of course, Larry. Thank you so much for what you're doing, and thanks for coming on our show tonight. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Anytime. All right, take care. Good night. All right, good night. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tim, you with us? I am. I'm here, Dave. All right. What do you think? Good that was show, a good huh? show. It's. Uh, I hope uh, we can help them out a little bit. I'm sure uh, they could use uh, any money we can raise um, for uh, for the good of uh, helping the animals. Right. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put something together soon. Um, I know that there's uh, a U.S. art auction coming up. But uh, I'd like to probably do it when that's not going on. Um, but yeah, you know that that'd be really cool. I mean, even if it's, I don't know how successful it would be, but maybe it would be big. You never know. Sometimes you go into these things and you don't expect it to be huge, and then it turns out huge. So I'm sure they would appreciate anything that we could raise. Right. Exactly. No, that's cool. All right. Well, folks, next week we have uh, the Godfather. Ron Tremper coming on, and uh, we're going to talk about some exciting new stuff that he's working on, of course, and uh, you're going to be around to listen to that one or uh, call in, Tim. I think Daryl Burton is going to be my co-host next week. What are you, uh, what are you going to be doing? Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be uh, listening in, and I'll try to call in. All right, cool. Hey, listen, I appreciate you helping me out tonight and uh, calling in and being my co-host, and I look forward to, you know, doing more uh, shows with you, Tim. Sounds good, Dave. 
All right, cool. Uh, see you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, have a good night, Dave. You too. Later. All right, folks. I'm going to go ahead and play uh, the outro, and I'm going to come back with my closing remarks. And I got a really cool song to play at the end. Check this out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks, my closing remarks are this. Uh, You know, you could have a hobby, okay, and you could be really good at your hobby, or you you could have a passion and be passionate about something. All right, our guest tonight is the definition of passionate about what she's doing to the effect that she's converted her entire house to this rescuing and just having a sanctuary for animals. And everything she does is an expression of her passion in trying to change people's perception of these animals. So what I think we all need to do in life, and I'm no master of anything, but I think we need to find that one thing that we're all passionate about and really do our best to you know, do it to the best ability of our ability and take it as far as we can. So if you haven't found that one thing that you're passionate about, keep looking because there is something out there for you that you could be passionate about. All right, folks. I want to thank everybody that was in our chat room tonight. I want to thank everybody who called in. I want to thank everybody in the group, Gecko Nation, and everybody that supports the show on a daily and weekly basis. Wouldn't be able to do it without you. I want to thank our amazing sponsors, and I'm going to me- I'm going to mention them one by one, and then after that, I'm going to play an awesome song. So number one, Dale's Bearded Dragons. Dale's Bearded Dragons has been with us since the very beginning, from when I had my first radio show to now, and uh, they are a, va- a rapidly growing reptile supply distributor. Okay, so if you want to get 20 to 50 percent off any kind of caging supplements, lighting heating elements, whatever it is that you need for your pets, bearded dragons, okay? And if you can't find what you need on their website, message me and I'll put you in touch with the owner. ebdragons.com is the best source for dubia roaches. Highest quality dubia roaches fed the highest quality food. Awesome pricing, perfect for your animals. Check them out, abdragons.com. If you're into leopard geckos, into wild-type leopard geckos, especially, Check out Gecko Boa Reptile. 
Geckoboa.com is run by John Scarborough, and he has some amazing leopard gecko morphs and wild types. Uh, Supreme Gecko. If you're into day geckos, micro geckos, and some obscure things, you're going to want to check out SupremeGecko.com. And he's got the food for most of those animals as well. So that's run by Wally Kern, another great breeder and hobbyist. Okay, okay. Ohio Gecko is also the person who runs GeckoForms.net. All right, so Ohio Gecko, he is really well-known for amazing tangerine lines and really nice snows and fat tails, including the Starburst morph, which he is pioneering. So check out OhioGecko.com. And if you need food for all these geckos, and I'm sure you do, you're going to want to get them at a fair price, okay? The place to go is RainbowMealworms.net, okay? Make sure you check out RainbowMealworms.net. They're the biggest worm farm in the world. Jillian Spence is the owner, and she does a lot for the reptile community. Just an amazing person to deal with and a great place to get your mealworms, superworms, and crickets. And if you're, in the, if you're a breeder and you're starting to ship animals, you know, across the country, uh, sooner or later you're going to have to because you can't really sell your animals locally all the time. Uh, you're going to have to ship them. So if you're new to shipping or if you're shipping animals and you want to ship them at the best rates and need the company with the best customer service, you're going to want to check out Reptiles Express. Uh, ask for Debbie Price, and she'll get you set up right away. And uh, you don't even need a, an account to ship, I don't believe. Um, you just need to sign up, and uh, away you go. You make your labels. So reptilesexpress.com. Uh, oh, the king of leopard geckos, Ron Tremper, is going to be our guest next week. Ron Tremper has been the most instrumental person in the world of leopard geckos. Okay? He also breeds snakes as well. And, uh, you know, you can check him out at leopardgecko.com. He's famous for morphs such as the bandit, the giants, uh, tremper albinos, emmerines, all kinds of amazing stuff. So check out Ron Tremper. He's only got 29 copies left for his book. So grab it now. It's going to be a collector's item. Get it from his website so he can autograph it for you. All right? It's going to be coveted. All right. Giantleopardgecko.com. Keith Kiggins is running a very special coupon for Gecko Nation radio listeners. All right, folks, so it's 25% off any purchase until September 30th. All right, the code to use is GNR, which stands for Gecko Nation Radio, GNR2014. All right, that's your code for 25% off. Okay, anything on his site. And that's at giantleopardgecko.com. All right, MS2. Premium insect chow, the best food for your feeder insects. You are what you eat, folks, and so are your reptiles. So make sure they're getting the best nutrition possible. MS2 Premium Chow. Last but not least, and our newest sponsor, I'm very proud to have him on board, is Daryl Burton from Longhorn Geckos. It's a father and son team bringing you the nicest super tangelos, um, awesome subspecies coming down the line from Daryl, really nice pastel rafters, and a, and a wide array of other morphs, okay, all from the best possible line. Daryl spares no expense when it comes to genetics. So check out Longhorn Gecko on Facebook, and his website will be up and running very soon. All right, folks, thanks again for everything. Here's a song to take us out, and we will see you 
next week. Love you, Gecko Nation.